This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day. Prime Minister has welcomed the progress being made in the drive to increase the number of women in Britain's boardrooms. He's commended those companies who've pledged to take part and challenged others to follow suit. In February, Lord Davis recommended that FTSE 100 companies should be aiming for a minimum 25% female board membership by 2015 and that the FTSE 350 should set their own ambitious targets. A six-month progress report shows that 61 of the FTSE 100 have acknowledged that gender diversity is an issue, and 33 have set percentage targets. The report, however, also shows that only 21 women have been appointed to board positions out of a possible 93. That's 22.5% and well short of the 33% recommended in the Davis report. Professor Dame Sandra Dawson of Cambridge Judge Business School, Deputy Vice-Chancellor of the University of Cambridge, has wide boardroom experience embracing both the corporate and charity sectors. Does she feel that the target set by Lord Davis is realistic? I think it's vital that boards become more diverse, and gender is one of those issues where we should have more women on the board. I'm not driven so much by quotas or by percentages, but I am driven by the fact that at the moment we tend to have more monochromatic boards than I would like. And in that context, I would like to see more women on the boards. I would like to see people with bringing different views and skills onto boards. Um, and I would hope we would track an increasing number of difference um, as we go on. 2015 is very close and in three years time do I think that there'll be 40% or 30%? I doubt it. The headhunters seem to be throwing a spanner into the works at the moment by suggesting that that it's not about convincing chairmen that female board members are essential but it's really about a finding women candidates and b finding enough suitable women candidates. Well I think the pipeline is an issue But I know many, many very able women who I think would make excellent board members. And so I think there is a matter that we lose a lot of very, very good women as they go through the career ladder. And I would like us to keep more. But I still think that there are are more available than are currently being appointed. I think for the headhunters, they've really been in the spotlight because so many people, including me, have said that the headhunters need to make sure that when they put forward lists, they realistically have strong candidates who would be willing to stand and that their strong candidates should include women as well as men. And I think the headhunters are responding by saying, oh, but we've done all that, we've done all that, it's just we can't find the candidates. So I think it's a bit of supply, I think the pipeline is important, but I still think that there is a reasonable supply and that more uh, realistic candidates could be brought forward. At a personal level, what were your own experiences when you joined the board of of J.P. Morgan Fleming? I mean, were you you expected or even encouraged to, to contribute? Oh, yes. I've never stayed on a board uh, where I was not either expected or encouraged to participate. I see no point in being a member of a board and feeling in some way inhibited. Um, Of course, J.P. Morgan Fleming Claverhouse, it was at that time a Fleming um, investment trust. That was not the first board on which I served, although it was the first completely commercial board. But I'd been chairman of an NHS trust in the early 90s. I'd been a member of an NHS foundation trust before then. 
In fact, I'd been a member of an NHS health authority before I became chairman of an NHS trust. Um, I'd also served on committees for the public health laboratory um, and been on the public health laboratory board. So I had quite a lot of board experience before I joined uh, J.P. Morgan, and uh, it was a small board, and uh, the non-execs were very, very important on that board because of the structure of investment trusts. Um, I quickly became a member of the audit committee, and I would say that uh, never did I feel inhibited, that it was a question, though, of of course, doing one's homework, being very well prepared, and above all, making sure that you got the sort of information from the uh, executives and from the uh, company that you need in order to be able to be a good non-executive. You're playing a leading role in Oxfam now, which is a totally different sector, and I suspect that that the experiences there are very different as well. Yes, to some extent. But uh, my experience of serving on boards is that certain things are very, very much the same. You have to be prepared to look carefully at the material that's given to you, ask about material that's not given to you, and be prepared both to challenge and to support the executives. And it's that delicate balance of challenge and support which is what you need, whether it's a charitable board or a commercial board. Because in a sense, once there is a non-executive, in order to... um, make sure that the interests of others in addition to the executives are being carefully considered when decisions are being made, when strategy is being formed. And so having um, an outward-looking view, looking at the matters that are coming forward to the board from perhaps a wider perspective of different stakeholders is something you need in all boards. And that goes with charities, um, with the public sector and with the private sector. So the context is very different, but in many ways the board skills are rather similar. Lord Davis is being encouraged to actually go outside the corporate sector now to find women board members particularly. Do you think that that non, and you've partly answered it anyway, but do you think that that non-corporate sector has the candidates, has the right potential? Oh, I think that there are some tremendous people, men and women, um, in the charitable and the public sector. But... As I was saying, you have to understand the context. There's no point in going from the academic world or from the charitable world into the commercial world and expecting it to be the same. So you have to work really hard at understanding the context in which you have not grown up. That doesn't mean that you can't uh, can't do so. But, But nobody would appoint someone to the board who didn't have an understanding of the business whether the business, as in Oxfam, is to overcome poverty and suffering in partnership with others, or the business, as in Barclays, is to build a great uh, universal and international bank um, uh, with a profoundly important brand. Nobody would go into those businesses unless you understood what the business was about. So for me, it's a question of, of, of working out how can you contribute to business, to public policy, to the charitable organisations, what skills does one has, and above all, what does one need to learn? And I think that anybody going onto a board, man or woman, old or young, who thinks they know it all when they enter, um, uh, will not make a good board member because you have to keep that curiosity and that questioning, um, which means that you're aware that you're learning all the time uh, going. And so if I am looking to constitute a board. I'm looking for people who will bring difference, who will bring questions, but who will also 
bring a fundamental commitment to the purposes of the organisation. And I think that's really important. You wouldn't join a commercial board if you thought that commerce was not something you wish to be engaged with. You're not going to join a commercial world in order to make it a charity or join a charity in order to make it commercial. What you're going to do is join those boards because you believe fundamentally that the organisations are worth your support, worth your time and energy, your curiosity and your questions, and that you will then be able to add value to that organisation in pursuit of its strategy. Of course, as a board member, you have um, a fundamental role in developing that strategy, and so there's an opportunity to really put in something distinctive. But I come again to the fact you need to be fundamentally committed to the purposes of the organisation. That's the basic, that's the bottom line. It is. You want to improve the performance and the delivery of what that organisation stands for. And you bring personality, you bring questions, you bring experience, you bring advice, you bring guidance. Um, And I come back to the notion of diversity. Those skills, experience, advice, guidance, questions are better coming from people who think differently rather than those who think the same. To have a monochromatic board in which everyone is thinking the same doesn't get the questions that might get people thinking differently that might then enable the organisation to improve their performance even more. Where do you stand on that suggestion that the government should follow the Norwegian lead and impose quotas so that boards have to have a number of women on them? I'm in a bit of difficulty here because personally I am, as I started by saying, against the notion of quotas of types of people because I think that diversity is around seeing things differently and they don't always come in particular categories. So I am personally not in favour of a quota. I'm certainly not in favour of myself going to fulfil a quota where I am some sort of token woman. However, I look back over 40 years and I think, why is it that we still have so few women on the board? Because really there are so many very, very important and able women, why aren't they getting more board places? So how do we begin to get movement? Really, we've got to work with the chairman. The chairman are fundamentally important in making decisions um, on the list of candidates, and they and their nominations committee are going to be the ones who look at a list of candidates and who decide which ones they want to bring forward on a shortlist. If the people making those decisions really value difference, if they want to ask the question, what will you bring which is different, which will add to the purposes of this organisation, rather than, do I recognise you as the same? If people ask the question, what will you bring that is different, then they will find that there will be more women Not because all women see the world in a particular way, as opposed to all men, but they will come with the different experiences and skills, which I've already talked about, which will enable different perspectives to be represented. So I'm personally not in favour of quotas, but I can understand we need to get some sort of movement and we need to encourage chairmen to think differently about the composition of their boards. And if quotas has to be the way of doing that, then I will slightly reductantly, but with understanding, say, okay, let's have a go at quotas. But it's not because I fundamentally believe in quotas, it's because I want to find some way of getting people to see the value of difference. And if that turns out to be the 
the only way, uh, then let's try that. Professor Dame Sandra Dawson, thank you for your time. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series. Thank you.